The following is a hoop ball presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the Hoop Ball Grizz Podcast. This is Isaac Simpson here, along with my partner in crime, David Williams. And you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. That's I S A A C underscore rivals. You can find David at Dwill2111. Tonight, man, we're joined by a very special guest, former NBA veteran turned the best color analyst in the business. And he showed up on time, affectionately known as BK. He's my man, Reverend Knight, man. How you doing tonight, BK? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad I show up on time. As, as, <laughs> as many times as I've been late, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on on time at this point. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you, if you not, don't know about that, man, you know the uh, Reverend and Petey, they, they have to joke with the referees. They show up on time. And though, God, Grizz Nation should know that by now. But, uh, man, before we get into anything else, man, you, you, you look at it, COVID is – affected probably everybody in the world in, in some way, some, some fashion. Uh, as far as you and Petey, uh, it's, you guys haven't been able to travel with the team this year. Uh, you guys have been calling the games remotely. How different has that been? And, and kind of talk about that process and how it works. You guys just watch on the monitor and call the games like we're watching them on TV. How, how does that work? Yeah, pretty much. It's, 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 as you said, it, it has been a, uh, a trying year for everyone. We've all, everybody has had to uh, be flexible and adjust to, you know, what, what this norm was for, for this season. And so for, for us, you hit on the head, the, the, no traveling. And the biggest part about no traveling is we don't get an opportunity really to, to know the guys as, as well as we normally do. We don't get a chance to really interact with uh, new players. Like we, I've never met Xavier Tillman, uh, met Desmond Bain just on one day as he was running into the tunnel. We happened to be talking to somebody else and just introduced ourselves in that way. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's been different. And, and the other thing that's different is we use those moments before games where we're down on the floor to talk to the opposing team's broadcast yeah. team. Uh, we talked to uh, – since I'm, I'm, I'm not all the way removed from the game, I still know assistant coaches on other teams or people that I played against. And so – so that, that sometimes gives you the opportunity to get the feel for what those teams are doing. But also, it's just to reinforce with our team and our guys uh, that, that we are a part of the family. Like, we're there to support them, to make them look as good as possible. And so you, you miss out on having those personal relationships uh, that I think made our broadcast be as good as it, as it can be. And then on the other end, yeah, we just watch two bit when it's on the road. We, we go to the arena. We sit in the same place that we sit when it's a home game, except – now they put two big monitors up in front of us, and we just we watch it on TV and call it uh, just like you're sitting at home watching it and, and try to do the best job that we can to not make it feel as though we're not there, even though we feel it 100% because there's no feeding off of the crowd. There's no in being in the moment. It's literally just us and the people in the radio and some people that may be cleaning up the arena that's around the game. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I knew it was different, but I hadn't even thought about that aspect. Uh, the four is, like you said, that they would not be Desmond Bain, not being around the players and that aspect. I hadn't even thought about that, man. And shout out to Contral, man. I see the Jitty sweater. Uh, Contral got you some gear there, I see. Uh, I, I got my uh, my Jitty gear on. Uh, Contral, <laughs> they, 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 they sent us, uh, they sent Petey and I, we were talking about him one day, and they, they said, would you guys want to would you want some of the some some jitty gear? I'm like, hey, I, I, I take everything that's free. And so, last oh man, for sure. With, with him playing as well as he did, I said on air that 
Tomorrow I'm going. I'm 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 taking out my my Jitty sweatshirt. I don't care what the temperature <laughs> is. It doesn't matter. I'm going to wear it. And so uh, I had to stick to my word. Yeah, we're talking with Grizzlies color analyst Brevin Knight here on the Hoopball Grizz podcast. And speaking of Desmond Bain and and Xavier Tillman, man, this front office in, in the two drafts they have just hit home runs. I mean, of course you get job number two. They make the trade and get Brandon Clark. Um, the second draft they go back and make a trade with Boston. Uh, we get Desmond Bain and you get a guy like Tillman in the second round who wasn't even projected to be drafted on most mock drafts. And I mean, I think both of these guys have been fantastic. I mean, Bain is breaking all kind of records as far as three-point shooting for a rookie. Um, you have Xavier Tillman, who I think is so advanced for a rookie as far as his footwork, his de- defensive principles. Can I talk about those two guys that, in their maturation process this, this, this season and, I mean, just how well this franchise has done in drafting? Well, I think the, the the front office did a fantastic job in being able to turn no draft picks into two players that have uh, been big contributors to this team all year. I, we we would not have the record that we have or be in a position that we're in at this moment without these two guys. And so with the amount of injuries that the Grizzlies have sustained, they've always been ready to step into whichever role, whether it's starting, coming off the bench, having played in a game or two, they, they've always been ready. And to say that for young guys is a is a credit to them and, and how their maturity is as, as basketball players um, because easily they could could get into their own feelings and say, well, we've been playing well, and still I don't get this. I've been playing well, and still you treat me. That that doesn't come out of their mind, out of their mouth. That's not their mentality. Uh, I, I think for Desmond, the shooting, the three-point shooting has been fantastic, but we've also seen him just do all of the other things in the game, pull up jump shots, now getting to the basket. Uh, he handles the ball extremely well. The rebounding has been there for him, and so – uh, it's been nice to see the versatility in his offensive game. And on the defensive side, I think he is catching on quicker and quicker what it takes to be a good position defender, but also what it takes to be a good moving defender because at that two position, you're going to get guys that put it on the floor and handle, but also guys that shoot it. So uh, he, he's advanced in that area. And for Tillman, uh, you, you, the biggest thing for him has been the little pocket pass and be able to knock down that floater. But I think he does such a great job of, not taking himself to the next defender. He always stops in the in a space that when he catches, these are always clean looks that he's getting on eight to 10-foot little floaters. Uh, and then on the defensive side, good communicator, always in the right position, uses his low center gravity against bigger players. Uh, in pick and rolls, he can switch and do an admirable job of keeping guards in front of him. So uh, they, hit, they hit a home run with both of these picks. Yeah, man, I tried to tell people about Bain. People, a lot of Grizz fans, when he came, when he was coming in, they were saying, oh, well, he's just a spot-up shooter. I'm like, man, you, you didn't watch him at TCU. I mean, he can do a lot more than that, and he's really shown that. I mean, he's a better defender than a lot of people think. Um, he can knock down threes, of course, at a at a high rate. And, I mean, he just plays hard all the time. And for a guy that you get at 30 uh, to, to be a major contributor like that, as big a part of this team as he's been this year, um, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And with Tillman, uh, one thing that I like about Tillman is that even though he's been in and out of the rotation at times this year, when, when his number is called, he's ready to go. It's like that old saying that says, when you, if you don't ever, well, that old saying, God, mess it up. When you, um, if you, when you stay ready, you don't, you never have to get ready. Yeah. Uh, the old saying goes, and that's kind of, kind of what Tillman's been this year. Uh, but moving on, I want to talk about John Morant, who is, 
I, I talk about it all the time now. He's been a tremendous ambassador for this team uh, before even on and off the court. And he's one of those guys that you say is worth the price of admission. Every night, he's going to give you at least one play where you, you your mouth's going to drop. It's, it's going to be something that you right. just don't see on a night-to-night basis. Man, talk about his potential. And, I mean, he's the type of player that this team's never really had. They've never really had a, a guy that you could say, quote-unquote, superstar nationally. I mean, I think him and Jaron are two guys that – could really be some of the faces of this league going forward. Kind of talk about Jai and his potential on and off the floor and in the city of Memphis. Well, I think you, you hit on the head, and it's the one thing I like to say. He, he has superstar potential. Uh, I never like to – you don't like to put something on somebody before their time is, is due. And, and so I, I think he, he is a player that, yes, the one uh, – he's going to give you a highlight every night. That's just, that's just the nature of how he plays the game. But what I respect even more is the fact of the solid plays that he makes on a nightly basis, which is being able to use ball fakes to now get somebody open. The timing of when I throw the ball ahead to allow a player to have the advantage of a retreating defender, not waiting until that defender is now set, and now I hit you with the basketball. The being able to manipulate pick and rolls where I come off the screen, keep a defender behind me, take this floater, the big steps up, I drop it down to my big, I throw a lob, or he's able to then explode with one more step and get to the rim. So I think there's so much more substance to his game than just the highlight plays. And, and I think that to see him continue to elevate himself into a, a realm where you start to say, okay, this he, he can shoulder the burden for this basketball team. I, I think it's been major steps for him, but those steps are made because – Yes, he is a, a guy that creates a buzz on a regular basis, but he, there's also a basics to his game that, that allows him to then add a little bit of sauce to it when he needs it. Here we talk with Grizzlies color analyst Brevin Knight here on the Hoopball Grizz podcast. Uh, one thing that's been a, a big debate uh, among us in the media, the Grizz fans here in the city, uh, the, the front office and Zach Kleiman said at the beginning of the season that this was going to be a developmental year. I mean, they said that, and they've stuck to it. And you have to kind of try to toe that line. I've kind of been of the opinion that I feel like, even though this is the second year of a quote-unquote rebuild, that this team has been competitive enough to where you could just kind of let things happen organically. Uh, I, I think at times during this year, I think they've been extra cautious with guys, like overly cautious at times. And I understand that they're looking – toward the future and everything's kind of future-based, but being a former player, kind of, when you look at that line, I know as a player, you want to win games and you want to win to the maximum. And I just think at times, this front office, even though they said this is what, what they're going to do, I think they've kind of done things in the vein of, we're going to make sure we're good for next year. Uh, if, we, if, they, if we win this year, we make the playoffs, that's great, but we're not going to some of the things that we're going to do might not be the same thing. A team that that's going to be a fifth or sixth team might do uh, that, that's kind of ready to compete. Now, when you talk about that line, being a former player, how do you kind of, kind of look at that situation? Well, I think in, in all situations and everybody's situation is different. It is you, you lay out a plan. You say, these are the steps to get to where we want to get to. If there's a roadblock, whether that hinders your plan and now you have to, you have to have an alternative route that you go, or is everything, is everything fast tracked? A little bit to what you thought where you thought you would be uh and, and i think for this team that they always felt and thought that they would be competitive what level competitive how high that goes 
I think that's what they didn't know. And so to be in a position that they're in at, at this point is a credit to Taylor because they, they're not going to rush injured guys back. That's not what this team has been about. It's not what they're going to do. And so they took their time with Jaron, making sure that he was right. They took their time with Justice to making sure that he was right when he came back. And that's just the nature of how they're going to they're gonna do business. And, and uh, credit to the rest of the guys for being able to hold the fort and be in this position, even though they did not have Jaron for as long as they did. And, and so uh, I, I, I commend them for, for sticking to their guns on what they would like to do. I think they are, they, we are in a position that is maybe a little different than what people thought a little bit further along. Um, and so with that, I think the adjustment then gets made of, well, we're here at this point. Well, how do we keep getting better while still winning? Like we still want to have a, a room to grow. This is still a process. But the process has been, has been sped up by the players and by this coaching staff. And, and, and so the, to give them uh, their due credit is to say, well, we'll do whatever it takes to win. I mean, you guys have worked this hard to put yourself in this position. going to hold you back by saying, well, that wasn't what we – that's not the plan that we had at the beginning of the year. This is the, this is the position that the, – and the hard work that has been put forth by these coaches and, the, and these players. And so – Give, continue to do what it takes to win games. And I think that's with the way that we've seen the rotation the last couple of games, especially with Jaron being in the starting lineup, you can see that they are going to more of a playoff rotation, which is they are only playing really nine guys, heavy minutes. The other, the other position is you figure out how the game is going and how many people you play from there. So I think that they, they put themselves in, in the mindset of we want to be a playoff team and do what it takes to be that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely – you have a young team, uh, a young coaching staff, and I've criticized them for some things at times, but I think you have to – just like you said, you have to give Taylor Jenkins a lot of credit in the area. I mean, this team was missing their 1B player in Jaron for 90% of the season. Uh, and to be in the position that they're in right now, I mean, second-year rebuild, a lot of times you see these teams, you look at some teams, they've been rebuilding five, six, seven years and still yes. haven't got there for this, yes. for this team to be where they are after, in year two. I think it's amazing. I asked Taylor in the press room after the game the other night. I was like, "How special does this feel for the second time in a ro- second year in a row for you to be in position to clinch a playoff spot?" And I mean, he, he says, "Amazement, just a testament to the hard work that the guys put in." And I, I mean, in that vein, I think he's done a tremendous job, and I definitely think he should be in the running for Coach of the Year. Uh, but but speaking of that, when you look at this team, wh- what do you think they need to take that next step? Was it as personnel wise or mentality? What do you think is the next step? What do you think they need to take that next step? Bre- Brevin, before you go on that, actually, I, I have a question that's kind of related to what we just touched on. Um, a- as a player, as a former player in the league, you gave credit to the coaches. Uh, for those of us that, that have not had that experience, what do the coaches do for the players to help them I- improve? You know, like a play, we know that the players are going out there, they're putting up the shots, they're putting in the work in the gym. But can you just give us from the, the player side, but what, what do the coaches do for the players to help them advance their game? First and foremost, you, you want your coaches and your coaching staff to have a plan. What, what are we trying to get accomplished? The next part about that is how do we go about accomplishing that goal? And third from there is I always say communication is the biggest thing because you're going to, you, you have, these are individual businessmen is what NBA players are. And at the end of the day, you have to be able to get across to them. The bigger good is the team winning. 
all of what we I want to put you in the best position to be the best player that you can be. And while you're in while you're in that position, we then ultimately win. And then everybody wins at the end of that day. And so what what coaches do is they have to be good motivators to get guys in the gym. Got to be a great communicator so that you understand what your role is on a basketball team. What's your level of accountability for different situations, whether it's coming into practice, whether it's getting your individual work in, whether it's in the in the gym, in the weight room, make all of those, those they hold you accountable in all of those areas. And then when they go into basketball games, they're able to make the necessary adjustments within games. You're going with a game plan. Sometimes that game plan doesn't work, and then you have to scratch it out. And then can you move on to the next thing? And I, and I think that uh, this coaching staff has empowered these players to go out and be themselves as players. They've given them the rope that they need to not have to be worrying while you're on the floor. Was that a bad shot? Am I not supposed to shoot? Well, they, they eliminated from that from players' minds. And so uh, we've been able to see guys, and I think that's the reason why, We've been able to see guys not play in games, but multiple games, and come back. And when their number is called, they're still ready. And, and so I, that I think those are uh, are some of the, uh, the 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 characteristics of a a good coaching staff that can trickle down to players. Yeah, I mean he, that's definitely true. Whether you're talking about Tillman or Conchar, you saw the big game that he had last night. These guys are, are ready, and I, and I, and we talked about them what you just said i mean these guys know what their roles are when their numbers called they're ready um and i think that's another testament to coach taylor jenkins and the job this coaching staff has done to have those guys ready and i mean you don't see a lot of egos on this team i mean and that's right. one thing that i really like about these guys these guys aren't complaining about minutes i mean there's been a lot of guys that was bane i mean guys that have had sporadic minutes sometimes they're in the starting lineup sometimes they're not and when their numbers called they come in and play and they don't pout or complain or anything like that so i think that's one thing that you love about this team. But, again, we're talking with Grizzlies color analyst Brevin Knight here on the Hoop Ball Quiz podcast. And back to the question that I asked prior, uh, what, what do you think this team needs to, to take that next step? Well, I think a uh, just a veteran presence. But but they need a, a, a playing vet. Um, and, and mostly, you, if you can get another vet wing player. Yeah, Jay uh, Crowder. Think, uh, it, um. Jay Crowder could help you. You know, I'm not that's he definitely could help, but if we're talking about longevity for the next okay, yeah, gotcha. four, if you want if you want yeah. to go another four, five, six years of making the run, a similar run to what we made when we had the, the core four, then you then you want a, a guy that's more so a five, six year guy that still has is really now starting to reach his potential, understands what it takes to win in this league. Um and so I, I think that would be is that type of player um, that that could just elevate because I always say there we have those offensive lulls and a lot of times when you have yeah. offensive lulls, yes, Valanciunas is an option if we're going to use that. But in today's game, so, so much is still perimeter oriented. So you would like to have a guy that can either get to the free throw line or a guy that can get a basket for you in that instance. But then it, it can also be a voice for these younger guys. And so uh, I, I think that would be a piece that could, that could help uh, as they move forward. And why, why does JV not get the credit he deserves, man? Even, even among Grizz nation, he's a polarizer figure. This guy goes out hard hat lunch pail every night, man. It puts up what I call video game numbers. Now, I mean, yeah. he, he has, he has his struggles defensively in the pick and roll, but 
outside of that, I mean, this guy has been tremendous. And when, when people talk about the top centers in the league, I've seen lists where people put top 10, top 15, and don't even have him on there. Like, I think that's crazy. I mean, I think he's been an unsung hero for this team. Well, the, the thing is, so many times you always say, well, that guy's on – he's on a team in Memphis, and, you know, they're playing well, but it's not a big – but my thing is, it, it don't matter. Like, this dude is putting up numbers. Yeah. And he's efficient with the numbers that he puts up. And for anybody that's in Grizz Nation to have – to for it to be a – it should be – it should be a one-track thing with everybody that's a Grizz fan is that he is a great center for our team. He is the center that the Grizzlies need – to keep moving forward and have chances to win basketball games. And so uh, I, I think that the reason that he's not talked about more is just because he's not the, a sexy choice. He's not going, he's not going to go out there and shoot five, six threes a game. Not going to put the ball on the floor between the legs, cross over, pull up jump shot. What he is going to do is pound you behind every night, every minute of the game. And to, to the, the, the people that are, Giving their analysts of the analysts of the game, uh, uh, at at some point you are those people are looking for well, what highlight did he create? So I can put that up there, and we can equate him with these. High- well, no, he's that's it's not what he's going to do. But what he is going to do is be highly efficient and make winning basketball plays. And to me, he is a top three center in the association right now. Man, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, the, the numbers prove it out. Like I said, the, the only struggles he has is, like I said, in pick-and-roll defense. Outside hey, of that. Hey, guys, let me, hey, all right, here's the thing, though. Pick-and-roll defense. You name me how many centers in the NBA. Yeah, you're right. I know where you go. Yeah, you see you're right. And, and, and here's the other thing is it is the coverage that we play and that just about every team plays at that big position if you're not switching is you lay off, the guard has the option of over-under, but then stay on the guard's body, and now you do a good job of being a rim protector. He protects the rim. He's a big body. You come down. He plays with the guards. If not, he gets back to the big. And so whenever people come to me and say, well, defensively, well, who defensively is good? <laughs> who tell me, tell me who's the good defensive big guy that plays pick and rolls? What, what's, what's his name? There isn't one. They all play the same way. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, when, when, you, when you looked at that schedule, uh, when I looked at it about a, a month out, you look at that f- finale game at Golden State. I just knew somehow that game was going to come down to seating purpose. Now, the Grizzlies have to take care of business. they got to, they got to win one of these next two games against Sacramento, which I, I, think they, I think they'll take care of business there. But when you look at that game, Steph has been on an absolute tear. I mean, uh, Golden State's had two back-to-back big victories here on the home floor, and that game looms on Sunday, and I think when we get there, I think that game will be for that eight seed. What are you? What are your thoughts on that game? I mean, it's going to be a huge game. The Grizzlies are going to going to have to go on the road, man, and come back, come back and try to win, go out and try to win a tough game, man. What do you? Th- what are your thoughts on it? Uh, like, like, like you said, first and foremost, I think that they have to win both games versus Sacramento to make sure to ensure that that game against Golden State is a game in which. They are. It is a fight for the for the AFC because Golden State has one game with New Orleans before they before they play the Grizzlies on on Sunday, uh, and I think that they'll beat New Orleans because what they've done a good job of is they have finished extremely well in their last couple of games. The Utah game, Steph, it's yeah, yeah, Phoenix, yeah, Phoenix game Phoenix, last night. Phoenix game, Phoenix is up double figures again to the fourth. They make the comeback, and it's it has become bigger than just Steph, and this is. Why I, I, I told people at the beginning of the year, 
They say, well, who are your superstars? I said, I only got four superstars in the association. There's only four in the game. You, you, we've, we've equated very talented players with superstars, and that's not what that's. It's a big to be a superstar is more than just talent because there's talent through and through the association. Steph Curry, I put in that category because he not only can he go get it done, but he makes his team better. Yeah, like the and that's the thing. The Warriors, yeah, you're right. The reason why the Warriors were good when Durant came was because. Steph Curry took a step back and said, KD, I'm going to let yeah. you gonna come in here and I'll, I'll allow you to be a bigger player on this team. I'll do all the other stuff. But as soon as he leaves and now the Warriors in a position where like, they Warriors might not win 20 games. Shucks, he has them in the AFC. And, and, but he has, he has it's rubbed off on everybody. And so uh, it, it's going to be a tough game because they move the basketball. The Grizzlies get, are a high assist team and we do a good job of moving the ball. This Warriors team is on another level in terms of how well they move their bodies, how well they quickly the ball goes from side to side and will come back a third time and still have 10 seconds on the shot clock. Like, it's, that's, that you don't see in NBA basketball the ball going from one side of the court to the other to the other without it now being a grenade into the shot clock shot. They move extremely well so the Grizzlies defense will be stressed we know how good Steph is and the way he shoots the ball but Jordan Poole is playing really good right yeah. now and, and so he's another player that that they're going to have to keep an eye on and it, it's, it's it'll be a I think it's going to be playoff atmosphere at its best yeah they get so many open shots because of that ball movement she spoke of and you talk about Jordan Poole I mean he came in here in that uh, back-to-back set that first game where Golden State yes. won at FedEx Forum and Really put it on the grids. I don't think they were expecting him to come out and put up those numbers, but he's he's a he's gonna be good, man. I, I think they they found a player in Jordan Poole. I've been really impressed impressed with him, man. But before we get out of here, man, you know I gotta you know I gotta rip you a little bit on on your G man, man. Um, man, y'all done some good well, stuff in free agency. The, the NFC uh, champ, NFC champ, uh, champ, but, champ next year. <laughs> well, you know you know it's Cowboy Nation over here, man. You know how that how that goes, man. I, I kind of like what y'all done, man. Y'all y'all picked up Galladay. I like that pickup, but man, you really think Daniel Jones is is can, can be that guy? Yes, I I think that he can be that guy as long as he plays to his strengths. Like we, when he came back from the ankle injury last year, which I thought he came back too soon, they said, well, he's not going to be as mobile. We'll just use him as a pocket passer. But I just don't think he's a pocket passer. His ability to be able to use his legs is an asset. It's a reason why we were able to even have some semblance of offense when he was feeling good because you can do a run play op- you can do a run pass option option with him uh and then you get Barkley back and I think that he's he he's a a good thrower of the bas of the bas- of the football uh that, that'll and, and now you add some more weapons with Galladay and you get uh we'll we'll, we'll get our, our run Saquon Barkley we'll get him back um and so it, it'll be it'll be interesting and then the kid from Florida uh, that we got in the draft, the, the all-purpose receiver, I think will be good playing out of the slot in times, but he'll also be a good guy. We needed, like, some excitement on our kick return team. So yeah. if, if he becomes a punt returner slash kickoff returner, I think that, that will help our offense more than anything. And I like, though, after getting offense in the first pick, we went defense after that because we needed linebackers in the worst way. Yeah, but I think it's going to be a, a, a fun year in the NFC East. I think it's going to be a lot lot better than it was last year. It was kind of a disaster all the way around last year with yes. the Cowboys, all the injuries we had, Saquon going down for you guys. I mean, Washington with their quarterback situation. I mean, it was bad, bad deal. But I think this year I think all these teams have some – 
some some bright spots, some things to look forward to. I mean, Dad, we got Dak back. Of course, we needed worst defense I've ever seen. Like I admit that, man. I don't know if I've ever seen a defense as bad as we played last year. So nowhere to go but up on on that end. But I mean, I think we're we're the favorites. I think we all know that. So we're gonna, oh, gonna go ahead. <laughs> you, 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 got, you got you guys are the favorites within the, your Cowboy Nation. Yeah, that, that's that's the your favorites with Jerry Jones. Outside of that, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think you guys you guys got a Nice first round pick, but with Sean Lee retires and y'all replaced him with a great linebacker. So yeah, and a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people, Cowboy fans hated that pick. Uh, I watched that guy. I was at the Cotton Bowl covering the Tigers when they played Penn State, and he put up one of the best linebacker performances I've ever seen live. I mean, that guy is a one man wrecking crew back there. I mean, he can rush the passer. I mean, he can do it all. He has speed. I think he ran a four four uh, forty. I mean, he can do it. Oh, so I think he's gonna make a lot. Have a lot of Cowboy fans eating crow on that one because a lot of them didn't like that pick, man. But man, I thank you for taking a little time to join us, man. I know you gotta gotta go spend some time with the family, man. So we'll let you get out of here. But we appreciate it, man. It's been too long, man. We gotta gotta get you back on soon, man. Yeah, man. You know how to get in touch with me. I appreciate it. Whenever whenever you need me, you know where I'm at. All right, man. Good stuff, man. That's Grizzlies color analyst Reverend Knight joining us here on the Hootball Grizz podcast. Want to really thank him for, for taking a little time for us, man. Have a good call tomorrow night, man. Hopefully Grizzlies can, can come out and get that win. Yeah, man. Why not keep it rolling? Playing good basketball right now. Thanks, Reverend. Appreciate you. All right, man. No doubt, man. Y'all have a good one. Man, you too. All right. Later. Yeah, it's Grizzly color analyst Brevin Knight joining us here on the Hoop Ball Grizz Podcast. Special thanks to him, man. No, he's a he's a busy man. This is his night off. I mean, it's been a crazy run for those guys. I mean, you had two Monday, Tuesday yeah. back to back, and coming up with a Thursday, Friday. So this kind of his night off. So to really, really thank him for joining us on on taking some time. I know he's about to go spend some time with the family, man. But good stuff, man. He's always fantastic. I, I love talking to BK, man. Really good dude. Yeah, you know, we, we talk about the, the players, not you know, the Grizzlies since the, the All-Star break have not had back-to-back nights off. They haven't after the, the way that their schedule is packed up. And, and so, you know, it's not just the players. It's everybody around the team. So Brevin and Pete have not had that. So definitely appreciate him taking his time. I, I did want to ask him before he left, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't take the opportunity there. But we get him back on. That's, it's going to be the first question, Saquon or Zeke. I think I know what his answer is already, but, uh, you know, it, it was fun. It was a good time. I, I love his, uh, his insight, man. And, and I liked it, you know, because he, he mentioned the coach and, and the coaching and how they help the players. And I love the way that he broke that down and he, he, you know, just elaborated on that and it gave us a, a look that we don't always get. You don't always know, you know, okay, what's going on behind the scenes? We see them out there, you know, pregame warmups and all of that. But there's a whole nother part of the game that we don't see that's behind the scenes, the film work and the weight room and all of that stuff. And so it's good to have a guy that, that has been there and done that to uh, give us his perspective on it. Yeah, another big quote from the interview, JV, top three center in the NBA. Uh, that, that's Brevin Knight, man. That's what, what he said, man. But I, again, I, I, I don't know if he's top three, but I definitely don't think he gets – Credit he reserves. I saw like a top twelve NBA centers list or something uh, a couple weeks yeah. ago, and he was he wasn't even on the list. Which there, there's some guys not. on there. I mean, there's not twelve centers in the NBA, but I think they had Andre Drummond on there, and I don't think Andre Drummond is better than no. the Jones Valley Jones. I'm trying to think of some other guys they had on there, but there were some guys that I'm like, yeah, are you serious? Crash man, it, it was, and I think uh, who was it? That was um, oh man, I mean, because Sane called the, there, there was one guy that Sane called him out. <laughs> 
And, you know, he, he just like, man, you know, that's BS. You you can't make a top centers list and leave. I think JV it was Nate Duncan, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That's who it was. And, you know, Sane was quick to say, bro, you know, that's crap. And, and it is. I, I don't think that you can name five centers that are better than him in the no. NBA. And, and like you said, we do talk you know, about the, the pick and roll defense all the time. And Reverend said it right. Most centers aren't good at moving their feet. I mean, you have the new stress big. You're talking about guys like Jokic and guys that can move a little bit more. There's not a lot of those guys, though, when, when you yeah, when you really break it down and look at it. That defensively, if if they're playing that type of scheme, I would I would venture to say that there's probably only two guys in the league that would be you know above average pick and roll defenders, and, and yeah. that would be Rudy Gobert and and uh, and Miles Turner. Miles Turner, yeah. Really, you know, like I've not watched enough of Jared Allen to say like he, he's he's got pretty good footwork. He may be another guy that you could add to that list, but you know th- those would be the only two guys that I would think. And, you know, it's him saying that really makes, you know, it made me step back and look, I'm like, man, I've never really thought about it that way. Yeah. It's frustrating whenever, you know, he's playing the drop defense and they get the wide open 10, 12 foot jumper, but that's the way the defense is designed. And yeah. he does, JV does a lot of great things. And it was, it surprising when he said top three big in the league, I'm like, Man, <laughs> get giving him yeah. the credit. So you you love to see that, and I do love JV. That's you know I've, I'm critical of guys at time, but but he is definitely one of the guys on this team that that I feel like I have supported pretty much throughout. So yeah, I mean, he stuff. definitely play, yeah he play he plays to his strengths. Every every god been talent that he has, he uses everything. I mean that's just not his forte. For he's not fleet of foot in that way. But everything else, I mean, he gives max effort out there if night in and night out. I mean, I have a lot of respect for him. And again, I mean, he just puts up these crazy numbers that I just feel like at times, like you would think, you say the guys put up 28, 20, and you don't really hear anything about it around the league. If some other guy that played for another team was putting up numbers like that on a pretty consistent basis at this long double-double streak, you just hear a lot about it. And it, I think, again, it yeah. just goes to kind of that small Memphis. media market, media yeah. bias. That's, that's what yeah. it is. Memphis versus everybody, man. You, you know what it yeah. is. And that, that just. That's what it is, man. I have people that, that don't live in this area that I talk to and they're like, why do I always see that? Why do I see that all the time? And I said, because Memphis literally gets zero respect. No, it's you know, true. You, you, Tony Allen, I think is probably the best example of that. And so, you know, you, you can argue different, different players, but one of the greatest to ever play the game said he was the toughest defender that he ever played against. Kobe Bryant said Tony Allen. When when he was asked who was the toughest defender you've ever played, he said Tony Allen. Yep. And when you see uh, an all-time defenders list, people leave <laughs> yeah. off of it all the time, bro. I know, and, man. And it's crazy. disgusting. Like, yeah. That, that's and so you know, people from outside of the Memphis area, they don't realize that they're like, oh, you guys are just making something out of nothing. Now, <laughs> no. If you look at it, if you pay attention. You're, you're going to see that these guys are doing big things and it's not getting talked about. We're going to get Lonzo or LaMelo Ball is going to get on Sports Center when he puts up 11, 5, and 5, but JV puts up 28 and 20 and he gets a, a five second window. Yeah. You know, it's all about where you want the attention to go and, and Memphis just doesn't get it. And I'm hoping that as Ja continues to ascend, that that changes some. 
Yeah, man, somebody, and this was about a couple months ago, somebody put up a, a, a top defensive guys of all time list. They had like eight guys on it, and Tony wasn't on it. And he, he Tony, Tony even had to chime in and, and come in on it. I, I know that Draymond on there, and I'm like, man, are you seriously, you the grindfather, you don't have him on there, but you got Draymond. I think it was Draymond that they kind of went back and forth about it. He was the guy that he kind of singled out and, and went out and they had some banner back and forth on Twitter, which was which was fun to see. But, yeah, man, I mean, that's yeah. something and, and we're used to. I, I don't mind having – if you're going to have it all like a list, I don't mind having Draymond on the list. But if you have Draymond Green on there, you gotta have there's Tony no Allen way there. that you cannot have Tony Allen. And that that's just – there's other guys, like I said, there. Mark didn't get the credit that he deserved while he was here. No, Mike, didn't, Mike definitely did. You know, and it's it's just craziness. I I don't understand it. I know that it's a small market, but there there's other guys that uh, get pushed that limelight that play in smaller markets. It's just something about Memphis, man. Yeah, because if Mike had played for another team, he would probably have been an All Star uh, by now if he had put up the same numbers and been in kind of the same type of situation where, where the team was winning. I, I think he would have already had an all-star appearance before this year uh, being an alternate. But I mean, that got, just comes with the territory, man. We're used to it at, here in Memphis again, and that's why the Memphis versus everybody thing is not made up. People outside of Memphis like, oh, y'all just saying this. Oh, you're overrating this guy. I mean, you just not paying attention. I mean, that's, that's what it is. I mean, and you hear these national guys, we talked about this over the last couple of weeks, just saying all this dumb stuff. I mean, I was like, these guys really – are getting paid big bucks to to write this write this stuff, and I'm like, sometimes I don't even believe they believe some of this stuff that they're writing. Yeah, I think they just they, they write it to get ratings. They yeah. know the guys they're choosing; those are the guys that people want to see them write about, see them talk about. So they know a lot of people outside of Memphis don't really give a crap about what's going on with the Grizzlies. So they don't even they're not even going to put them in there. And you see it in the highlights. Grizzlies won a game by 40 points, and they'll show the highlights of the other team dunking or somebody had a big dunk on the other <laughs> yeah. team, and that's what yeah. you'll see. And they'll be like, oh, Grizzlies win 140-114 or something. I'm like, what? I mean, that's yeah. just, but it's always been that way. Yeah, it's it's insane, man. That's, like I say, we we have, uh, I like the way that, uh, that Brevin worded it. He said he has superstar potential. And yeah. that that's something that the Grizzlies have not had here. And had so it. here we are, man. We're getting to watch it, watch a you know possible superstar in the making. Um, we, we didn't get a chance. You didn't you didn't come on the post game with me. What what did you think about the uh, the Mavericks game, man? Man, I, I was super impressed. Um, I, I said on Twitter that the last couple wins that they had really did didn't move the needle to, for me. I mean, you beat a, a Toronto team that. Rested a lot of guys. You struggled, but still won a game. Kind of the same thing on Monday against the Pelicans. You win the game, but it was a lot harder than it should have been. But not having Jared and JV, I was like, if they come in here and beat this Dallas team, I mean, that would be impressive. And I was highly impressed because that's not what I expected. I expected, honestly, I thought Dallas would win that game. I hate to hate to say that. Uh, people might call me out on it, but I, I didn't expect the Grizzlies to win that game. And they came out early, and you could just see that. Despite despite being shorthanded and having your your starting front court out, I mean they played well. I mean for to a man. I mean you look at that box score. I mean it's insanity. I mean you have one thing they they increased their scoring output in each quarter. I mean they just got better as the game went on. And what can you say about DB? I mean vintage villain performers there, man, just going off. I mean you can just see the confidence. I mean he was just coming down, just hunting shots and just knocking them down, man. I wish we got that every night because he looked like an all star. Yeah. In that game, I mean, he was locked, locked in. Um, and I mean, he had a tremendous performance. I was, I was really impressed, man. Shout out to Jitty. Uh, Brevin Knight had his, had his Jitty hoodie on. Uh, big game for him. 
career high for him last night. I think he had 18 points. Big game for him. I mean, all around, I mean, they just played really well. And I was kind of surprised at that because I thought that might be a game where you you want to. And we've seen this team kind of come out and, and not have a requisite effort, especially if it's a game where, I mean, the, the requisite effort. And I thought that could have been a moment where that could have happened, and it wasn't at all. I mean, they took that game seriously. You could see it from the jump. I mean, they just came out and playing, and they, uh, they, they, they stayed all the way through the game. Not, yeah. not many lulls like Griffin talked about in that one last night. Yeah, the full 48 minutes, you know, job's not done, play a full 48 minutes. That was uh, th- that was something in, in the post-game presser that was mentioned. And I mentioned DB in, in the episode last night. Like, when, when he struggles against subpar guys, performances like this, that's it drives me nuts. Like, yeah. you see him come out here and shut down – one of the best scorers in the league, you know, Luca can pretty well score at will. And they shut him down last night, 12 points, five rebounds, five assists on four of 16 from, from the field. That's a awful night for him. And that was credit to the defense. Obviously help defense plays a big part of that, but the one-on-one defense from Dylan Brooks is really what fueled that. And he was, it, it just, when, when you see him struggle against Corey Joseph, it's yeah, like, or Wayne Wayne Elton uh, the other night. I kind of I said it on like, the podcast. What, what is going on, man? And so it just makes it that much tougher. Yeah, I mean, seven guys in double figures. I mean, it's just look at those box score. I mean, Josh, 24, 7, and 8, uh, 22 for of course we talked about DB. Not not the most efficient night. He's not a 21 and 2 of 9 from three, but I mean he was knocking at the mid-range game going at 15 from Kyle Anderson. I mean, Desmond Bain with 11, uh, 18 off the pitch for Conchar, 14. For B14 and 9 for BC, 10 points for Tyus Jones. Welcome back. Welcome back, Stones, man. He had a had a pretty good game as well. Uh two or two from three. So it was good to good to see him back, man. He even got Justice Winslow in there for some some burn there at the end. Jonte Porter came in, uh, hit some shots. Tim Frazier got some minutes. So uh don't haven't got to see that a lot lately because these games have been close. So it was good to see a game like that where where Taylor could kind of empty the bench. But I think that was a, a big win. Um and again, it sets them up. If, they can win one of these last two, no matter what Golden State does, they'll be in position to either tie or, or go one game up with whatever it ends up being. They'll they'll be the eight seed if they win that game. They just need to win one of these Sacramento games. And I think if, if they win the first one, I think it gives you a opportunity to rest guys. Now, I don't know if I would. I, I think because I think this team has shown that it, they've had problems when guys are out in and out of lineup. They've had a kind of chemistry problems, I think, you, there's a way that you can look at it that you think, well, going into this big game on Sunday, you want that continuity. You don't want to be coming off a game where everybody rests. But I think that's probably the route they go, and I don't necessarily hate that either. It probably wouldn't be what I would do, but I understand it. Yeah, I think that a lot of it, that second game is going to depend on what Golden State does. If Golden State loses, right? does Golden State play tomorrow night or they play the night after? Uh, they play. They play Friday. Friday yeah, night. They play Friday night against the Pelicans. So you won't know. You know, they're they're going to have to more than likely go into that second game with a mindset that they need to win that game. And we're going to have another guest uh, for the uh, Thursday night. We won't do a post game. We're going to cover both of the games on Friday night. And Jill from the uh, Hootball Kings podcast is going to join us for that post game. So we're we're gonna we're gonna Two man and a woman. That one I was going to say three man it, but uh, want to be uh, want to be gender friendly. Correct. 
Yeah, yeah. politically correct. Got yeah. to. So Jill's going to join us, and and I uh, I just kind of you know first started interacting with her when she joined the Hootball team this year, and she's been fantastic. So she's been she covers the Kings with uh, Damian Barlin for Hootball. So that, that's going to be another good guest for us, and and I can't wait to do that post game. I hope that the Grizzlies stay locked in, and, and that is. Um, Isaac, he's got a lot going on. He wasn't there for the the post game presser last yeah, night, but man. you know it, it's that that was the the things that they kept repeating was remain locked in, job's not done, job's not finished. I hope that and they maintain that mindset because Dylan has been there. Dylan has been there, but it sure didn't feel like everybody else was there until that game against the Mavericks. They just kept their foot on the throttle the whole time and put that game away. And there's been plenty of games this season that they could have done that, that they didn't. And so I hope moving forward, you know, these last three games that they know they have to do that and we get to see it. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see them just come out and just blast Sacramento on a bar night. I mean, that's, and I think, and I've, I've been asking for that kind of game for a couple of weeks and we kind of saw that last night and I would like to see them kind of continue that momentum uh, going on into tomorrow night. And, uh, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll have Jerry back in the lineup. You, you think tomorrow night? I don't know if they'll decide to rest him. I mean, they'll they'll play him in this one because this is the one that's that's important. But when you look at the standings, I mean, even if no matter what, if the Grizzlies win one of these games, Golden State, the most that they can get before this game is 38 wins. So if the Grizzlies win one of these, they'll have 37. So and they that game will be for the tiebreaker. So no matter what happens, Grizzlies only need one win out of these two. So because they, they'll go in if they if they split them, they would be. 37 and 33 and Golden State would be 38 and they'd be the Golden State would be 38 and 33. Grizzlies would be 37 and 34 if they if they they split these two. So they go in yeah, so if, if they, they win the game, they'd be tied. So yeah, they'd be tied. So they'd be the eight seed anyway. So they only yeah. need to win one. So I think I, I think if they like win tomorrow night. I'd like to see them win them both, though, to be honest. Yeah, because I, I think too. that, you know, if they win both of them, then the pressure's on Golden State. Golden State has to win that game. And, and yeah. it's gonna kinda it's gonna come down to that. And unless the Grizzlies just fall apart and lose both games against the Kings, and I, I pray I, I that that doesn't that. happen, but it, it is a possibility. It is the NBA. They stu- they do still have to go out here and play this game. So there is a chance, but I, I'm hoping the Grizzlies win both of them. They're gonna be in a in a lot better spot. And I don't think there's as much pressure on them when they if yeah. they they go out they win both of these games against the you know they're going to be going into uh, Golden State on a win streak if they win both of these games feeling pretty good about themselves I like their odds but one game shootout with Golden State man you, you just never know what's going to happen because Steph Curry could go nuclear at any time and drop forty points in a quarter on you and, and that's that's just a, a fear. Maybe maybe I shouldn't have it, but it is, man. He, he's one of the best to ever play the game, probably like arguably the best shooter, and that he knows how to win. He knows what he has to do to win, and the Grizzlies are still learning. So that is a, that's a tough matchup just because of the experience on that team and having one of the, you know, the best shooter living right now. Yeah, but from what the Grizzlies are saying, and and I, and I like the the body language last night. I, I think they understand the magnitude. I think they'll be ready for that game, and it, it kind of fits into one of my my theories that I talked about earlier in the season. Here, if Golden State beats the Pelicans, this is a six game homestand. They'll be five and zero on this homestand going into that game, and to win six straight uh, on a six game homestand, that's pretty 
pretty impressive and, and tough to do. So I mean that I mean like I said this this season's been kind of wacky and some of these things haven't worked out as much as they have in the past because of teams playing teams back to back and in the same sets. It's been some weird stuff, weird trends that you don't usually see this year. But it's kind of something that's in, in the back of my mind. They'd be six and zero if if they beat the Falcons and beat the Grizzlies. They they finish the season six and zero at home, which is um is tough to do. Like I said, for a team that's not saying they're not a good team, but they're not one of the top tier teams in the league, and that would be pretty impressive. So that's kind of something to something to think about. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's kind of one of those things that I watch. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think the Grizz come out and take care of business tomorrow night. I, I think they're going to rest guys on Friday. Uh, but, I mean, against Sacramento, we saw last night, even with some guys resting, I think that's a game that you could still win. Um, again, it probably wouldn't be the route I would go, but I understand why they would. I mean, you got this huge game on Sunday, and you think the game, technically, standing-wise, isn't important, but, but mentality-wise, it could be important. But I, I think they're from what we've seen from this team this year, they're gonna sit some guys. I mean, Jai hasn't had a game off, and I, I think I guess they think that he won't accept that <laughs> because he's kind of the only guy they've kind of treated differently when it comes to resting guys and bringing guys guys back yeah, quickly he, from injury. He he, he's a little different, bit different. I, I don't think yeah. that. Yeah, maybe later in his career he gets to that point, but it, it feels to me. Like he has that, I'm I'm not resting. The, you know, I get my rest in the off season when it's time to play basketball. I'm playing basketball, and yeah, that's it, that's it's good it. to have. You want your star player to have that. So, man, I I don't have much of anything else uh, for today. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out oh, of here, man? No. Last thing I'm checking the injury report. I know De'Aaron Fox has been out recently. Um, he's listed as out right now for tomorrow night's game. They also have Harrison Barnes out. Uh, Robert Woodard III, Buddy Hill's day-to-day, and Marvin Bagley's day-to-day. So, uh, I mean, this could be another one of those games, man, where Sacramento's without their their top guys. We've seen what the yeah, team can, you, can do in those type of games, but I, hopefully they're locked yeah. in now, and this is different. And they're without Halliburton. Halliburton shut down for yeah, the season. Yeah, Halliburton's definitely out, yeah. I didn't, if you said him, I missed it. But, you know, that's an, he's been been huge for them this year. So, but, but you can't. We, we have learned this season – even though you're supposed to be the team, yeah. and you cannot go in there with that mindset because it can come back and bite you with quick quickness. So we'll get out of here. You guys can get the show on Twitter at HoopballGrizz. I'm at DWill2111. Hope you all enjoyed the show. I know that I did. Having Brevin on was fantastic. I hope we can get him back on again. Maybe in the offseason when, uh, when he's not working every other day for four months, we can get him back <laughs> on here. But it was great. Isaac, I appreciate you, uh, man. We, we have been grinding with the podcast here in the second half of this season. We'll get a little bit of break once we uh, get through these playoffs, and then we'll dive into the draft Talk stuff. The draft, man. man. I can't wait. Now, not, not that I'm rushing the season to be over, but I hope the Grizzlies make it all the way to the NBA Finals. But again, man, I can't wait to talk some draft, man. I'm a big, big draft guy. I've already delved into some stuff and looking at some stuff, so I'm, I'm excited about that. But again, man, big Big opportunity here for the Grizzlies. Uh, hopefully they can win these last three games and end up in that eight spot. Because, again, we've talked about it here. Eight spots, a lot a lot better situation than that nine spot. Eight is where you want to be because it gives you two bullets. I mean, you have an opportunity to go to a game where you'll probably be an underdog in. But if you win that game, cool, you're in eight spot. But if you don't, you come back home and get to host the game to, for a chance to put yourself in the playoffs. So eight is where, where you want to be. Nine makes it a little bit tougher. Yeah, yeah, that's I I mentioned last night that you know not that you want to go into one of these games and have an off night, but they do happen. And if you're in that nine ten game and you have an off night, 
That's it. That's it. Ball game. Season's over. Enjoy the off season. So, you know, that, that's uh seven, eight is where they want to be hoping that they're going to make it. It's going to be a tough matchup either way, whoever it is, whether it's uh, the Lakers or the Blazers. And I didn't look at the standings there to pay attention. To I, that. I, I think, it, I think it's going to be the Blazers. They can, but I just think, Portland and Dallas are tied right now at 40 and 29 and LA's 39 and 30 and LA's resting LeBron and AD tonight. I don't know how that's going to go. They are playing the Rockets. They can yeah. definitely still win that game without that's those guys. Their, their schedule's easy. Yeah. Their schedule's so, easy. Portland has tough games. They got um, the Dallas. Is it Dallas they're playing tonight? I uh, know Dallas is playing New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. Who is Portland playing? Yeah, they're, they're playing the Jazz. The they got the Jazz Blazers there. Are playing the Jazz. Tonight. And they finish yeah. off with the Nuggets. But so man, that's, the Jazz ain't helping us. The Jazz could have. No, they. Man, man, I couldn't believe it. I got. I, I turned the game off. Like the Portland, I mean, Golden State went up by like sixteen in the fourth quarter. I'm like, this one's over. I can't watch this anymore. Now check the ESPN, uh, ESPN app, and Utah was up by two. One, I think it was one sixteen, one fourteen. I flip back on the TV. The first thing I see is Steph Curry knocking down the three. Been been, been down with that <laughs> that little rise smile that he has. I was like. My God, man, it, it, he just makes plays, man. He's an assassin, and that's that's the thing. He's looming, man. DB is going to have his work cut out for him, and, and I, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think that's one of those situations where you kind of have to have to allow Steph to, to do what he's going to do, but try to stop stop everyone else because yeah. you're not going to you're not going to shut down Steph. I mean, he's going to get numbers. I mean, it's just yeah. limit him man, as much as you can to stop everybody 50. else. Let yeah. him get fifty. That's fine. We don't don't even put DB on him. Put DB on somebody else. Let him get fifty. Shut down everybody else. I think that that's going to be the key. That's to the plan. It's the plan, man. All right. So wrap us up and get us out of here, man. And then we will be back Friday night with the post game. Yeah, man. Uh, you, can, you can make sure you go over to at Hoopball Grizz on Twitter. Follow us, man. Help help this thing grow, man. We're pushing it. We got some some exciting stuff coming up, man. So make sure you stay locked in there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S. AAC underscore rivals, man. Special thanks to Trevor Knight again, man. A, a tough week for him. I mean, you got two on Monday. This was his middle off day. You got Thursday, Friday, and back on Sunday, man. So just thank you for taking a little time, man, to, to jump on here with us, man. I know you're a busy man. And again, man, for, for David Williams, I've been Isaac Simpson, and we'll talk to you on Friday night, man. Hopefully we'll be discussing two big victories for the Grizzlies over the Kings going into that Golden State game. Until Friday night, uh, we'll talk to you then. Go Grizzlies. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.